This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning. So good to see all of you out today. You made a good choice to be in church today. It's a good thing to honor God on the first day of the week. I welcome all of you as visitors. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high. We like to put the Word of God in your hands, so we're going to study the Scriptures today. Just get your hand up real high, and they will gladly get you a Bible. Then we go to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, where we'll begin today. One of our main Scripture verses for this whole series, and as Matt said, this is our last Sunday on honor. It was 2 Samuel, and it talked about there in 2 Samuel 22, verse 31. It said specifically that God's way is perfect and His Word is proven. Now, just think about that. I mean, if God's way is perfect and His Word is proven, I need to live by it. i got to find out what it says and then live by it. But, you know, too many times in our life, we want the blessing of God without obeying God. Bless me, God, bless me, but I don't want to obey God. But it doesn't work that way. But when we have that view of that way, it's almost we're treating God like this cosmic sugar daddy in the sky. Something happens when I obey the word of God. And so even on this area of honor, so I won't talk like the guy up there, but we are talking about marriage today. And I want to give you some God thoughts pertaining to marriage, what the word of God says. And what you'll find out is marriage was God's idea. And God instituted the marriage covenant and God takes the marriage covenant very serious. So I don't care how you are today, if you're married, you're single, you thinking about getting married, or you never want to be married, this will pertain to you because it's about honor. So we begin in Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man. So God created man. See, oftentimes we get this backwards. Remember, God's the creator and we're the creation. So the creation never tells the creator what he should be doing. So God sets the guidelines. So God created man. And he created man in his own image or his own likeness. In the image of God, he created him male and female. In the beginning, God created them male and female. The message says they reflect God's nature. Now when you look at that, what it just said biblically, God created male and female. He didn't say, you know, I created the male just a little bit better than the female. And I created, or the the, the female, a little bit better than... No. He created us equal as you read right there. I want you to think about something here. In life, there are several things that we choose, and there are several things we don't get to choose. Some of the things I don't get to choose is I don't choose the day I was born, and I don't choose the day I'll die. I don't choose who my parents will be. And I don't choose the color of my skin. See, that's what's the, the ignorance behind prejudice. There's not one of us in here choose the color of our skin, but yet at times we have problems with it. I don't know why. But God created it this way. So those are certain things that you don't choose, but what do you get to choose in life? Well, one of the things you get to choose is you get to choose who you marry. Now, some of you can say amen or oh me. Just kidding. Keep reading with me here. Verse 28. Then God blessed them. 
Who did God bless? The male and the female. And God said to them, the male and the female. He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, the sea, over the birds of the air. Over everything that moves on the earth. Now, when you find out the difference between male and and female, we're created different, but we're created equal. I don't know if you figured this out, but we see things differently. We think differently. We even talk differently. Not wrong, just different. And what I found over the years of being married, that my wife is a multitasker. And she can be doing five things at once. As a man, we only can do one thing good at one time. So if you give us more than that, it's going to be problems. And then there's times as men, we really don't understand stuff. Like in my house, my wife has a set of, of towels that are only for guests. I don't understand that. Those towels are in my house, but I'm not allowed to use them. So I asked her why I'm not allowed to use them, but they're just for the guests. And so when I use them, when I'm not supposed to use them, and she asked me, why'd you use them? I say, I don't know. And the truth of the matter is, I don't know. I just did it. And so again, I want you to see here, we're different, but we're created equal. We're created alike. And it's interesting to me in verse 28, That God tells the male and the female, he said, multiply this place called the earth. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. That the only way you can reproduce on this earth is through a man and a woman. I can't do it on my own, and my wife can't do it on her own. So that's the unity of the marriage covenant. And so here immediately in the scriptures, you see the power of this that God implemented Turn a page to to Genesis 2, verse 18. Now, again, these are God's thoughts. So to paraphrase where we're going, we're speeding through time rapidly. God created this man, Adam, out of the dust of the earth. And then he says in verse 18, The Lord God said, It is not good that men should be alone. And all the men of the house said, Amen, yea, verily. I, God said, I will make him a helper. That word helper means suitable, completing him. I will make him a helper, comparable to him. Verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Now that phrase there, he brought her to the man, we will jump into that late in the sermon today. That's cross-reference to the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Very significant with what we talk about today. Keep reading, verse 23. And Adam said, now this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. And so right here, God chose to make woman for man's flesh and blood or flesh and bone. But I believe the reason he did that was to, to show the unity or the covenant of marriage. Now, when it says here that Adam saw her when God brought her to Adam, he said, truly, she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. 
I, I want to use my paraphrased edition for the 21st century on that. Now, I want you to think about this. This guy named Adam, he's been on the face of the earth. And in that time, he was on the face of the earth here before Eve shows up. He's had the time to name all the animals. Every animal on the face of the earth, every fish, every bird, he's named every one of them. And so here's Adam in this world that God put him in, and he's been around the monkeys, the lions, the tigers, and bears. And this one day, he sees this woman approaching him. Now, I guarantee you, he had this thought. That doesn't look like a monkey. And that's sure not a tiger. He said, and so when he saw her in our 21st century paraphrased edition, he said, dang. Dang. Whoa, man. Can you imagine the first time he saw the woman? See, I say that because many times in our lives, especially as men, when we see our wife, we're like, dang. Dang. That's a good thing, okay? And so that day, it changed everything. Now look how God seals this in verse 24. He says, Therefore man shall leave his father and his mother, and they shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The power of two. You know, in, in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, it says two are better than one. In Matthew 18, 19, it talks about a prayer called the prayer of agreement. And the prayer of agreement says, if two on earth will agree of anything, it shall be done. So now, with the marriage unity that God created, he gives us two. And I believe since the beginning of time, that's why the devil came after Adam and Eve because of the marriage covenant. Because he knew those two are dangerous. When they come in unity together and in prayer, you know the Bible says one will put a thousand to flee, two will put ten thousand So our power of prayer multiplies. This is exactly what God was talking to us about here. So when we look at all this, we're created equal but different. And anything in this world is not fed, it'll die. Including your marriage. There must be maintenance of our marriage. We must pay attention to to our marriage. And when we stay united in marriage. It's the days of our life. But when we become disunited. It's the death of our lives. And oftentimes we'll say this. Wait a minute God. This isn't what I signed up for. But what you find out in marriage. It's not always going to be romance. It's not always going to be fireworks. There will be days in your marriage. That it will be responsibility. It'll be faithfulness, and it'll come under the covenant to say, Father God, we're going to honor what we vow. Now listen, I'm not going after anybody here, okay? I'm just preaching on marriage today. And I'm going to throw out a, a, a passage of Scripture, and I want you to read it on your own. But in Malachi chapter 2, specifically around verse 13, God was very upset with the Israelites, the men of Israel, because they disregarded their marriage vows. I encourage you to read that. But today, instead of going there, we're going to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. So turn with me to Ephesians 5. 
And as we're turning there, this is, job, this is God's job description for the husband and wife, okay? Better stated, if it was a song, in the marriage covenant, Ephesians 5 would say, this is how we do it. And so we start in verse number 22, one of the greatest passages of marriage in the Bible. It says, wives, submit to your husbands, submit to your own husbands, be subject to your own husbands. That word submitted is rooted in the word honor and respect. Now, I'm not... I'm not a male chauvinist, I'm going to tell you that, and I'm not speaking this from an intimidation point. I'm not saying that men have ultimate authority. I'm not saying at all, women, you're not called to be a doormat. But when we talk about Ephesians 5.22, and it says, wives, submit to your own husband. It doesn't say submit to every man. It said specifically, submit to your own husband's. Our society wants to discard this and wants to disregard it. But again, as a believer, I don't know about you, but if God's ways are perfect and His word is proven, I better pay attention to this. Now, put your stones down. This isn't us as pastor, okay? I'm just the messenger boy. Reading on. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, here's the kicker. As to the Lord, as service to the Lord, it doesn't say submit if you agree with them. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, I know this is stretching it a long ways, ladies, but what would happen if you begin to look at your husband as if it was the Lord? So when it comes to the Lord, would you assassinate his character? Would you belittle him publicly? Would you humiliate him publicly? Would you embarrass him publicly? And some of you would say, now time out, pastor. Jesus wasn't brain dead. And Jesus wasn't ADD. And Jesus wasn't bipolar. And Jesus wasn't stupid. And Jesus wasn't arrogant. Now you can think that all you want. But this is what the Bible said. So when I submit as wives, as to my husband, as to the Lord, there's a blessing attached to that. There is a reward attached to that. This is always real popular, I can tell. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, And he is the savior of the body. Christ's leadership principle, however, was that of self-sacrifice. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So if I read correctly into this, wives, your job is to submit Husbands, your job is to die. (laughs) That's what it said. The same as Christ did. 
What did Christ do? He died for us. So literally, I am to die to myself. I am to enhance her instead of myself. Now, find in this little word, the word called sin. And you may never have paid attention to it. But right smack dab in the middle of the word sin is the letter I. And that little I will get us in trouble. When I live only for me. And when I live only for I, I jump into Isaiah 14 where the prophet Isaiah talked about Lucifer who lived with eyes, the five eye eyes. He says, I will, I will, I will. And so as a husband, if I don't get the eye out of marriage, then it becomes a marriage buster. So now he's elevated the bar. But we see specifically here, wives are to submit. Verse 25, husbands, this is your job description. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her. Ooh, you think about what he just read. Just what he said. He goes on to say that he, the Lord Jesus, might sanctify or set apart and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word. That Jesus might present the church himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. And so what you begin to see here is Jesus died for me and you to be set apart. Jesus died for me and you to be be, uh, holy, to be righteous. And so when I give my heart to Jesus and I get born again and I submit to Jesus... I begin to take on the image of God. Since you got born again, and if you're submitted to Jesus, is there a noticeable change in your life? Who in mind, there's a huge change. So guess what? I begin to take on the image of Christ. Husbands, when I obey the scriptures right here, your wife will take on your image. Some of you want to put your your head under the cover right now, maybe. It's not too late, okay? To say, you know what, Lord, help me. I don't know if you've ever prayed this, but I encourage you as a wife, start saying, Lord, help me. Help me to submit. And as a husband, what a prayer to ask God to say, you know what, Lord, put in me, grace me to love my wife as you love the church. What a prayer. But how many times do we pray that? Think about this in the sense of your prayers. If all your prayers were answered, would it change anybody but you? <laughs> Woo. Now see, those are things the Lord will say to me. And that's why I laugh, because I've had the Lord say to me. Is your prayers only focused about you, or do you ever pray for anything else? Keep reading with me, verse 28. So husbands, you ought to, you ought to, I highly recommend this is what he's saying, you ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. And he, loves his, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes. That word nourish there means to give what is necessary for growth. To support her growth. And then he says, and cherish. To care for. To attend to. So literally he's getting over to self-sacrificing. Just as the Lord does the church. 
For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. And here we go to, to Genesis 2.22. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. What's a great mystery? How a husband and wife can become one flesh. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So how was the mystery of Christ and the church solved? We submit to Jesus as Lord of our lives. We come under His authority. And when we come under the authority of Jesus Christ, everything that He died for comes alive to us. In James 4, 7, it says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I can't submit, I can't resist him until I've submitted to him. So the way this was solved in the marriage covenant is when I come into the same relationship that Christ has with the church, and I begin to function in that same way. And when I function in that same way, there's great unity. But when I don't function that way, there's disunity. And when there's disunity within the marriage, it topples. Verse 32, 3. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his wife as himself. This is the marriage covenant contract. This is the marriage to a T for husbands and wives. Ephesians 5.33. Specifically, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. So this tells me right here the way God created the woman, her greatest need is to be loved. It's like water to her soul. How many of you have ever heard this? Women fall in love with their ears. That doesn't just happen on honeymoon day, okay? That's where we got to maintain it. And then he goes on to say this at the end of verse 33. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. So this is how God created. So the greatest need of a man is what Otis Redding wrote years ago. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And when a woman is loved like Christ loved the church, whoo, it's a blessing. And when the man is respected, there's unity. And so if I would just begin to follow the guidelines of the Bible, something begins to happen. Oh, Lord, grace us. Grace us to, to follow your plan. Now go with me to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. And this is another in-depth discussion that the Apostle Peter, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, wrote about marriage. Again, we're going to keep hearing things that will apply to every one of us in here today. 1 Peter 3, verse 1. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands. Now the word that will get your attention right there is wives, likewise. The word likewise means in the same manner. In the same manner as what? So in order to figure out what the Apostle Peter was talking about here, you've got to back up in the Scriptures and look what he was previously talking about. What he was previously talking about, we talked about about a, about a month ago, this same subject. This is 1 Peter 2, verse 18 and 19. Listen, 
Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good masters and the gentle masters, but also to the harsh masters. Why? For this is commendable to God. So now we go back to verse, or chapter 3, verse 1, and he says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Now let's fill in the blank there. Be submissive to your husbands if they're good. Be submissive to your husbands if they're gentle. Be submissive to your husbands if they're harsh. Wow. And what did he say? That it was commendable to God. So we go on back to verse 1 and keep reading. That even if some do not obey the word, even if some husbands don't obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. You know, a lot of times you see within the churches, I like this church, there's a lot of men here today, bless you, but a lot of times it's women. Women start out in the church. But if we just keep living like Jesus said, watch this in verse 2. When they, the husbands, observe or see your, your chaste conduct, the women, accompanied by fear. So guess what? When they see how you begin to live, it begins to impact them. Now, maybe you've ever heard of the great evangelist, his name was Smith Wigglesworth. Smith was one of the greatest evangelists of the, of the entire uh, uh, time of earth. He won millions to Jesus. But Smith Wigglesworth was a rascal. He was a stubborn married man who wouldn't serve God. And so his wife loved the Lord. And she said to him, she said, Smith, I love you. But she said, on Tuesday nights I go to prayer. Wednesday nights I go to church. And Sunday mornings I go to church. And I'm going to honor God. I put God first. But she said, I won't neglect anything that I'm supposed to do for you, husband. So one Wednesday night, she said, I'm going to church. And he said to her, you go to church tonight. I'm locking you out, woman. She comes home from church. And he's locked all the doors. She can't get in. She doesn't ring the doorbell. She doesn't throw rocks at his window. She doesn't even call a cell phone. They didn't have cell phones back then. That's why. You know what she does? She puts her coat over, leans against the back door, and sleeps all night at the back door. The next morning, he opens the back door, and she falls in, and she gets up, and she says, you son of a bendigo. No, she didn't say that either. <laughs> she may have thought that, but she didn't. You know what she said? She said, Smith, I love you. She said, what can I fix you to eat for breakfast? Wasn't long after that till Smith Wigglesworth gives his heart to Jesus. And because of the conduct of this woman, that these people all around the world will be in heaven. And that's a powerful story. So keep reading here with me in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. He says... Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging of the hair, wearing gold and putting on fine apparel. Now look what he said. He said, don't let it be merely. So in other words, he was saying, it's okay to do that. He didn't say, you know, live like you got an old bedhead. Live like an old raggedy and an old skanky woman. He didn't say that. It's not what he said. 
He said, don't just let it be the outward appearing. But look what he does said in verse 4. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible or imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. So now, guess what he's getting over? He's getting over onto an inner disposition. He said, this is what blesses God. Because look, look how he ends verse 4. Which is very precious in the sight of God. God's not against the women looking pretty. But the thing that gets God's attention is a peaceable and quiet spirit on the inside. Verse 5. For in this manner, in the former times, the holy women. Now look how the characteristics of a homely woman. They trusted in God. They also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. Woo! As Sarah obeyed Abraham, call him his Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and not afraid with any terror. So now he throws in there Sarah, Abraham's wife. And if you go back and look at the patriarchs of Israel, you had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh. But it would have never happened if it wasn't for a godly woman named Sarah. So now he's reflecting the reason Abraham was what Abraham was was because Sarah was a champion. Verse 7. Husbands likewise. Now the likewise right here invokes the preceding directives upon the husbands. So guess what husbands? You can go back and look what the word says. And the same likewise was in verse 1. Now it's in verse 7. He's given us job uh, descriptions. He said, husbands, dwell with them, your wives, with understanding. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Now, a lot of men like that. Woo, woman, you're, you're weaker than me. Submit, woman, submit. But I've studied and I've studied and I've dug and i dug. And the only thing that that weaker vessel means is Physically. That's the only thing it means. So if your wife submits you, you got some problems, okay? What I mean, she takes you down with some problems. If your wife can out bench press you, you got some problems. No, I'm just kidding. This is the only thing it's talking about, okay? That's it. We're created equal in every other thing. I'm telling you that. So look what he says here. And as being heirs together of the grace of life. As being heirs together. Now guess what he's talking about. He's not only talking about a relationship. He's talking about a partnership here. Grace or heirs together of the grace of life. So guess what this means. This means it's 50-50. It doesn't mean 51-49. Either way. It's 50-50. It's a partnership. Now this is such a big deal to God. Look how he ends this verse and he says that your prayers may not be hindered. That your prayers may not be cut off. So guess what he's just told us. When this gets out of order, husbands, and you don't honor them and you don't treat them like God said, God said, guess what? I'm cutting your prayers off. How many of you have been praying for years for certain things and things don't happen? Well, could it be because God's cut you off? You know what God's saying? 
until you honor her, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Uh Uh-oh. So guess what? Because of that disunity within the marriage covenant, guess what he just said? It breaks the covenant of the prayer of agreement. And he said, man, I I want you to be heirs together. Heirs of every promise that I have for you. Amen or oh me. Hebrews 13. This is what we'll end with. Maybe. Depends on how well you guys amen. Hebrews 13. This is where a lot of this was cross-referenced, okay? Pay close attention to the Word of God. Verse 4. Marriage is honorable among all. It's to be held in honor among all. God spoke this, okay? And, and, the bed undefiled. What does that mean? The word undefiled means to be kept pure, to view as precious, to be viewed as sacred. So now we read into this scripture and he said, marriage is is honorable among all, and the marriage bed is undefiled. Now, if you want to look at that in a little deeper area, write this down and go, not today, but sometime, look at Proverbs 5, verses starting about verse 15. It'll get into it specifically verse 18. So how do we know that he's talking about the marriage bed? Well, look what he goes on to say next. But, there's the ands and buts. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So we live in this lewd society and we have all these different social theories and people have the thought, guess what? Let's redefine marriage. Because you know what? We're a little more liberated now. We've progressed as a society. So guess what we said? God, your book's outdated. Even though God said my word or my way is perfect and my word is pure. And so to help you just a little bit, and this is why it includes everybody in this room, when you talk about fornication and adultery, you know what those are? Those are both uncommitted sex. I'm not committed. So fornication deals with premarital sex. Well, pastor, you know as well as I do, you would never buy a car without trying it out. You better watch that analogy. An adulterer is extramarital affair. So he was dealing with the marriage bed right here. So you want my paraphrased edition of Hebrews 13, 4 is? You want to have sex? Get married. And God blesses it. And he said, I bless the marriage bed. And so guess what? If you're not married, don't crawl in the sack, Jack. Don't do it. And if you've done that, God will forgive you, okay? If you'll repent of it. And so he deals with this. And you can blow it off 
You can act like it's no big deal, but look at how he ends in verse 14, or 4. He said, God will judge. The New Living says He will surely judge. If you want to look deep, deeper at that, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 talks about it. You can go and look and I'll just paraphrase what it says. The fornicator and the adulterer will not have a part in the kingdom of God. I didn't say it. The Bible said it, okay? I will tell you this, and I don't say this with pride at all. Before I gave my heart to Jesus when I was a teenager, I was a fornicator. And I've had to repent of it. And I will tell you this. If you never open the door to sin, you never have to close it. But if you ever open it, even a little crack, you're going to deal with it. God will forgive you. And one of the reasons I can tell you God will forgive you, I've been married almost 37 years. Woo! That, that's the goodness of God. That is, that is the grace of God. That's what happens when you begin to live by the Scriptures and say, okay, Father God, this is what I'm going to do. And so it becomes a partnership for life. And so when you look at everything, well, we've talked about this, you've got to ask yourself some questions. Am I progressing in the right direction or am I progressing in the wrong direction? Yeah, I, can, I can listen to society. Society will say, do, if it feels good, do it. But I better get a hold of what the Word of God said. And so I, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to pat you on the back and say, you know, it's okay for you to be a fornicator. God understands. He said, I'm going to judge it. I'm going to judge it. Everything in life that we reach for depends on our destination. In other words, where do you want to arrive? You want to arrive under the blessings of God or do you want to stay away from them? So that's the question I've got to ask. The, the destination always determines the route. And so every one of us in this room, we have what I call life-defining moments. And those life-defining moments, they're all open book tests. And with an open book test before God, you either flunk or you pass. So just a couple more questions. When I honor what God says to honor and I obey what God says to honor, there's a blessing, huge blessing. But I have to look at all this. And so there's times in our life that our marriage may need a tune-up. You know, when we have a car, it's very easy to distinguish when something's wrong with our car. It doesn't start. You may hear some clanking. You may hear some... So, some noise that isn't natural. You may have a, a computer that begins to tell you, genius, get this looked at. And guess what? When it comes to our car, we understand a thing called maintenance. We got to change the oil. We got to do certain things. But oftentimes, we don't maintain our marriage. Does your marriage need a tune-up today? What about this? One of the greatest areas, I believe, that we stay in relationship with God is through two things. He said, number one, repent. When you repent, he'll forgive you and he'll cleanse you. Do you need to repent today? Well, what about the area of forgiveness? 
See, that's one of the greatest things in a marriage covenant when we live with repentance and forgiveness. Ruth Graham, the daughter of, or the wife of Billy Graham, they asked her one day, they said, Ruth, can you tell us what a successful marriage is? And she said, a successful marriage is the result of two great forgivers. Put that one on, okay? Tweet that one out. It's a result of two great forgivers. Pastor, have you ever had to forgive and repent? Probably daily. Where I blow it and I don't like to. So again, when I begin to look at these things, maybe today you're here and you say, I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh consecration. I need my marriage to come back to life. I tell you, we'll anoint you with oil. We'll pray for you. But I'm even going to another step here today. Especially with men in our society, but even women now. In Job chapter 31, Job said this, I made a covenant with my eyes. Women fall in love with their ears. Men fall in love with their eyes. Be careful little eyes what you see. Remember David with Bathsheba. His stinking eyes got him in trouble. So today, maybe you need to make a covenant. The word covenant is rooted in contract. Lord, I want to make a contract with my eyes. I want to live holy before you. I want to live right before you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com